Hello, welcome to another episode of I Love Rock and Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. And I'm Chip Chantry. And today we're talking about Duran Duran. Woo! <laughs> we're not talking about Duran Duran. Okay. We are, we are kicking off. Today is uh, August 3rd. And we're kicking off True Crime Month here at I Love Rock and Roll. And we're gonna... I wrote, by the way, I wrote a jingle for True Crime Month. Can I can I do it? Yeah, I want to hear it. True Crime Month. That's pretty good. It took me three days. That took me three days to compose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Do we do it again? Do we do it again? One yeah, more time, please. True Crime Month. <laughs> we're definitely cutting that up and putting it okay. at the beginning of all the episodes. I think so. So, yeah, so uh, August, we're going to be talking all music murders. April showers bring May flowers, and then there's June and July, and then August is musical murder month. Yeah, that's exciting. Why don't you uh, why don't you introduce our guest? I'm Uh, so excited. Our guest is a two time guest now three times he's in the three-timer club there we don't even have a two-timer yet no he's he's lapped everyone uh he is a uh he just was named best quizzo host in philadelphia by philadelphia magazine uh which he actually won for best podcast i believe a couple years ago he is a man about town. He is the owner, part owner of Shive Vintage Sports in Philadelphia and part owner of the Philadelphia Phoenix Ultimate Disc uh, Professional Ultimate Frisbee Team. Uh, and his name is Johnny Goodtimes. Welcome back to the show, Johnny. True crime month. Oh, he, That's August. He does. Yeah. He, yes. I just is. added. I just, I, I, Chip, I thought I was going to just wanted to build a little bit off what you had going because I thought it was catchy, but it needed a little, a little spice to it. So it's like I learned in kindergarten 30 days have September, April, June, and November. All the rest have 31, including true crime month. <laughs> That's August. The hand, yeah. the hand clap uh, solidifies it, I feel. By the way, I want everyone to know that we just recorded that in mono. <laughs> oh, it's a nice little, nice little tip there we off. Go. There nice we go. little tip. Yeah, we're doing, uh, speaking of mono, we are talking about Phil Spector this week yes yeah i'm excited about this one because this i think brings up a lot of things that are very current even though this guy is probably remembered more for things he did in the 60s a lot of it is very applicable to you know our current situation yeah absolutely with with covid for example Right. Well, yeah, yeah, that's actually, yeah, strange, but true. That's actually uh, very, very true. Since if we're starting, if we're starting at the end of his life and working backwards, we actually are. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't Uh, know. I don't know how murder month works in Philly, but that's how we do it here in Jersey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's Um, like in in Jersey, when you flush the toilet goes the other way. Right. 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 The Coriolis. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) let's not use that. Let's not use that language, Johnny. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I guess. Um, but yeah, so he died of uh, COVID. What just a couple months ago? Yeah, January of twenty twenty one. So let's go. Let's go backwards from that. I think that's the way we do it. It's sort of a memento style, mm-hmm. you know. Okay, so mm-hmm. before that, he was jailed. Now let's go back further. Then let's start back in maybe December nineteen thirty nine. Do you want to start there, Ken? Yeah, that's that's where I always want us to always. 
Right. Well, that well, Ken's a big fan of the uh, of, you know, the Nazi party. And that's right when they first uh, started storming into Europe. Right. Sure. Right. So let's start in uh, late 1939. Sure. Right. Good. A great time in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what that song. Oh, what a night. December 1939 was about, right? <laughs> Late December, back in Poland, like it's a Yeah, uh, I, it's and the girls at proms love to dance to that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Strange enough. I don't think they know what it's about, though. Yeah. Speaking of pride, we're jumping all over the place right away. But I have to say that Phil Spector, one of the things he's noted for, and we're going to talk about all of the great things he did and then some of the terrible, terrible things he did, was that he was partially responsible. He he produced Let It Be by the Beatles, one of the greatest albums of all time, and including he had a big hand in the song The Long and Winding Road, which happened to be my senior prom theme. And I will go to my deathbed, by my grave saying that it is by far the worst Beatles song of all time. I would have rather had Octopus's Garden be my prom theme than Long and Winding Road. What a piece of shit. Yeah. And what, what a terrible, is. terrible song. What I terrible and I love the Beatles. I love the Beatles so much. And I just I just hate that song more than maybe any other song that I know. Johnny, what Johnny Good Times, what's your most hated Beatles song? I mean, I think I, I have to agree. I thought you were going to ask me what my prom song was, but I think that, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think I have to go with, I mean, I kind of like Octopus's Garden, yeah. but I have to, uh, I have to agree on the long and winding road comment because I, yeah, it's, it's just really sappy and overly long and overly sentimental, which kind of their brilliance to me was that they could be sentimental without getting too much into it. And that mm -hmm. song just went way over the top. Yeah. And by the way, I do want to say that I actually do enjoy Octopus's Garden. That's not, I wasn't, I didn't want to speak right. badly about Octopus's Garden and what a great prom theme too. Just imagine the imagery, imagine the decorations. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. right. Ken, Ken, least favorite Beatles song. Uh, I always hated drive my car. Yeah. I don't know why it's something about the beep beep backup vocals just fucking yeah. gets under my skin. That was for I think it was oldies 98 in Philadelphia, W.O.G.L. for years. And they may still do it whenever they do the traffic, like the news of the track, you know, what the traffic update is. They would always do the beep, 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 beep. beep yeah. And that's all I think of. And it just annoys me to no end. So I, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. uh, terrible prom thing, too. Uh, so let's get into it. Let's get right into it, Kenneth. Yes. So. Um, so. It, on December 26th, Boxing Day, 1939, in the Bronx, uh, Harvey Phillips Specter was born. Uh, yep. So he he grew up, uh, his his uh, parents, his father was, I believe, a Ukrainian immigrant. Uh, he, when he was only eight years old, his father committed suicide uh, and, you know, obviously had that big effect on him. When he turned 12, a few years later, he moved to Los Angeles with his mom and his sister, where his mom found work as a seamstress. He grew up going to school in Los Angeles and Hollywood. I think like uh, in Fairfax high school, I think it was and uh, Wilshire, I think. And then he was, he was definitely a, a, a huge music fan and definitely a music, music prodigy. Just, just could play a lot of instruments. Was, was really talented, could write music. Um, he formed the band, the Teddy bears when he was just a teenager, which is one of my favorite names of a group of all time. The teddy mm -hmm. bears. 
Yeah, it's uh, it portrays that sort of rough, edgy. Right. Uh, yeah. 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 It's, it's very West Side Story. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, guys, we're the teddy bears. And <laughs> uh, but he did write a number one hit uh, to know him is to love him, uh, which went to number one. Uh, and he's, uh, he's I have known the song forever and I never knew the background of this, mm-hmm. as, as I don't think a lot of people did. Right. Yeah. And, and it's it's. Uh, yeah, same here because I and, and and funny enough, I love the Beatles version of that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of, that's probably my favorite version of the song that they did a few years later. But yeah, the fact that it's his on his father's gravestone adds a certain haunting yeah. element that and, and, I did not previously know. And I don't think that was found out until many years later. People never made the connection that to know him is to love him is what it said on his dad's gravestone, which just goes to show you. When it came to being a songwriter and a lyricist, Phil Spector, big old thief. <laughs> what? Yeah. What a thief. It's literally written in stone <laughs> and he stole it. Yeah. Good he, point. He's 18 years old when when this is released and, and goes to number one. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I just want to say that uh, I wrote a new song I think is pretty good. It's called uh, Harriet Chantry. 1926 to 2003 mm-hmm. and it's I, I think it just has a good <laughs> ring to it mm-hmm. right yeah right yeah but your your group i think it's you guys are called the cuddle bears right because you were trying to go a little bit tight you didn't want to be you know just didn't want to come off as too soft exactly. so you said what can we do and put a little twist on it to give it a little edge yes yeah and that's obviously that's what i'm about is edge as you all know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they, they have a number one hit, but he breaks up the band. He, he goes on to leave and he basically moves to New York, uh, moves into the Brill Building, which, of course, the Brill Building famous for its songwriters. He sets up shop there, starts Phillies records. Uh, and uh, that's where he sort of develops the wall of sound, starts producing tons of people. By the time he's 21, he's already a millionaire, moves back to la to set up shop in la and th- i think this is where he really sets up the the, the famous wall of sound you want to talk a little bit about that can about yeah about the wall, wall of sound. sound so this is when we were talking oh but just real quick i want to go back to uh the teddy bears very quickly just a little bit of trivia for you philly guys the lady i, I don't have her name at hand but the the girl who sings lead in that song who sings to know him is to love him do you know what she later goes on to write you know what? I think I read it somewhere. What, what is it? She is an Oscar nominated uh, songwriter for the theme to Rocky. Going to fly now. Going to fly now. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Which also went to number one. So that lady has got two number ones under Look her at bed. her. Yeah. Good for her. Good for her. Wow. But uh, the, the uh, so the wall of sound. Um, oh, and there's one other thing I want to mention that I think may set up it. So I was reading a lot on Phil Spector's childhood and his it sounds like his mother's got a bit of a history of mental illness. OK, she used to she would get angry at him um, if he spent time with any girl, like if he was at a girl's house, she would call the girl's house incessantly until he came home. She used to chase him around the house with which, a by knife. the way, I will say I, I'm not going to say that that's mental illness. I think my mother would have done the same thing 
if I ever spent time with girls when I was in in school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, no, that's that's luckily my mother never had to cross that bridge with me. (laughs) She was like, this is what I'm going to do if Chip ever ends up at a girl's house. But Mm -hmm. I probably don't need to worry. No, but she would chase him around the house with a knife telling him he was the reason his father committed suicide. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which, uh, you know. I guess at an impressionable age, that may have set the scene to uh, to to have him as fucked up as he was. But wow. to answer your question about the wall of sound. So he, he becomes this he becomes this producer. We're not going to spend a ton of time on his musical career because we, yeah. we it's murder month, obviously. Right. Um, the wall of sound that was back when radio was still in mono. They weren't recording in stereo yet. So he would have it was literally what it sounds like. So instead of, you know, a guitar and a bass and a drummer, he would have eight guitar players and five drummers and four bass players and 20 singers. And it was just to create literally like a wall of sound that sounded amazing in your car radio. You know, it was it was built for mono when when stereo came along, it it fucked with the sound a little bit. But there was there was a there was a moment there in the 60s where he became the first producer where it was like if you saw something was produced by Phil Spector, you bought the record. You you weren't buying it because I mean, you may have been buying it because it was Tina Turner, but there's also a really good chance you were buying it just because you saw Phil Spector on the record. Because he really kind of put the musicianship into being a producer like, you know, they it's it's kind of cliche, but to, to say that the the studio became its own instrument, you know, by, by using the sound, by using the walls of the studio and just by all of that, he was able to do that. And I think the interesting part was he was a fan of uh, uh, growing up a young uh, Jewish boy. He was a big fan of Wagner, which I thought was interesting. He was a big fan of Wagner, which obviously had those big bombastic, you know, layered sounds. And that's where he he even called it that like these were like little symphonies for teens. Like that's what he was trying to recreate. Yes. When when he was doing this. Let's let's just throw out some of um, some of the classic for the listeners who might not know some of the classic Phil Spector productions. Yeah. He uh, he produced the Ronettes. He was married to Ronnie Spector. And uh, he produced Be My Baby, which to me is still one of the all time great rock songs. It's, Und- it undeniably still sounds just that, amazing. And again, it's that sound. It's just that sound that just blows up. I'm a big we've talked about the Beach Boys. Brian Wilson just tried. To, I, Don't worry, baby, which is one of my other favorite songs, was right. literally just his response to right. Be My Baby. I mean, I, I can't pick a song that's probably better sounding than that. Yeah, I mean Brian Wilson said that he thinks he he thinks Be My Baby is the greatest song of all time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he he might not be wrong when you hear that when you hear that opening drum, it just it's it's it sends chills. Yeah.
lost that loving feeling mm-hmm. was uh, Phil Spector. Um, River Deep, Mountain High for Ike and Tina Turner, which he thought was his masterpiece. Yeah. He thought this was the song that they were going to remember him for. It does end up becoming a classic song, but at the time, it completely whiffs. Like, it, it barely charts... But also, can you imagine being uh, Ike Turner in a studio and you're not the most awful person in that studio? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, 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 he was such a creep, uh, Spectre, that when he got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, he invited Ike and he invited Tina and he didn't tell them that the other one was going to be there. They found out when they showed up. Yes. Oh my God. And he spends his Hall of Fame induction speech trashing Tina Turner for bad mouthing Ike in her autobiography. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can't even find that. At least I did a bunch of digging and apparently you can't find that video online and anymore. Uh, of his speech? Of his speech. Unless I just couldn't find it. I know it was yeah. kind of they tried to wipe it, I think, for a while at least. I'm sure it'll surface at some point if if it if it hasn't, if it if it, I can find it. But yeah. Yeah, he 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 um so he's got a reputation for uh he's always got a gun on him. He's brandishing guns in the studio, he's waving them around. There's a famous story where he was producing he produced the Beatles. He he produced Let It Be. Um apparently they were not happy with his production, which which is why 40 something years later, you got that Let It Be Naked record where they took all of his his soaring orchestration out and, and they stripped it down to just their instruments. Well, I, 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 I from what I read, that was mostly Paul who didn't like him. Uh, George and John both thought he was great and Paul could stand him. Oh, yeah, that might make more sense because um, he produced John and George's solo album. He produced All Things yeah. Must Pass, which is, in my opinion, probably the best Beatles solo record that, that ever got done. He, and, and from what I read, uh, Pete Best really didn't form an opinion yeah. on the matter. Yeah. We're, still wait, we're still waiting on it. Yeah. We, we yeah. Have, we sent, I sent an email to him earlier this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but I don't know why why he's not getting back. We to have him coming in October for janitor month. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> um, uh, he so there's a famous story where he pulls a gun out in the studio and and shoots into the ceiling during a John Lennon uh, recording session, and Lennon screams at him, you know, because the noise was so loud. He's covering his ear. He was like, "Look, if you're gonna kill me, kill me." But don't do anything to my hearing if you're not. And then um, I, I saw an interview online with uh, Phil Spector's assistant who was in the studio at that time. They, you know, they got thrown out of the studio. They were never allowed to record. You know, they, they were told you you can't come back. Imagine like imagine being a studio and telling John Lennon he can't come back tomorrow because yeah. your fucking producer is such a psychopath. Yeah. yeah. And then which which is interesting because uh, uh, from what I understand, um, when Lennon was actually shot, he yelled at Mark David Chapman. He's like, just shoot and ruin my ear. Could you, <laughs> could you have just done that? Yeah, very. And it's yeah. like, pick a side, John. Yeah, I know. Be consistent. 
Yeah, so um, he's got this reputation of holding people hostage in his house for days. Ronnie Spector, in her autobiography, just says the most awful things about him. He physically abused her. He sexually abused her. She was held at gunpoint uh, many times. Uh, He apparently had a golden coffin with a glass top. Yes. And would threaten her with a gun and saying, if you try to leave me, I will put you in this coffin. And display you for everyone to see. Bars over the windows, barbed wire around the estate. It's so funny, like when you read about Free Britney and then you look on Britney's (laughs) Instagram and she's on a jet ski in Hawaii and you're like, okay, Free Britney. I get like Ronnie Spector was actually being held prisoner. Here's how I know. Here's the most fucked up thing that I read. I think of everything. So him and Ronnie Spector, uh, they adopt one child together. This is I was just going to bring this up. Yeah. This is literally this is of, the, of all of it, how can something be more fucked up than a golden coffin? <laughs> but yet he actually does it. Yes. Go ahead. This is Ken. this is more fucked up than murdering a lady, uh, to yeah. be honest, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. So one year for Christmas, he surprises Ronnie Spector with a Christmas gift. Johnny, do, do you know where we're going with this? And they, yeah. they had adopted a child about two years before. Right. So they have a little boy right. that they adopted. So, yeah. Take what do one. you think a good present? Now, remember, money is really no object for this guy. Right, right. What yeah. do you think well, he's getting for? Uh, probably, uh, probably like a gold hearse. It's <laughs> a good guess. It's, an excellent, good it's an excellent guess, but you're not mm-hmm. even close. Yeah. He adopted newborn twins and gave them to her. Twins. Oh, my God. That's Twins. so beautiful. He handed her a pair of babies. You oh, know how you know how everyone gets mad at the Christmas car commercials now about the husband like, oh, you just made a giant financial decision without consulting your wife and got mm-hmm. too kind. Like people are mad. He brought her two humans and was like, Merry Christmas. And they had no discussion of it beforehand. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like she had to pretend like she was excited. Yeah. You know, because if she did not like so it was just like the whole thing is just so like horror. Hor- I mean, it's a horror film. Like, yeah. do you think she she played along? Do you think she held up the box with a wrapping paper and like shook it, even though she could hear the crying? <laughs> She's like, I wonder what it is. Is it new shoes? <laughs> he was like, don't worry, I got you a gift receipt if you don't like it. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, there's there's, you know, he he uh, he produced uh, end of the century for the Ramones. He pulled guns out on them. Uh, I, I watched an interview from 1983 with the Ramones where they were asking what it was like to work with Phil Spector and Johnny Ramone and Dee Dee Ramone are absolutely trashing him. Dee Dee Ramone says that he held him hostage at gunpoint and they're all laughing about it. He yeah. said he held him hostage at gunpoint for days. Uh, uh, and, and, and by the way, one of the things that, that we should say, and this goes along when we talk about murders, this could have something to do with it. Obviously, he was messed up from the beginning. But one thing that could have really added to this was, you know, so he in the late 60s, he kind of goes becomes a recluse a little bit, kind of disappears besides these one-off projects with Len and with the Ramones. I mean, obviously he's still doing big things, but after River Deep Mountain High, he kind of was like, F this, I'm out of here. And then in 1974, he's he's in Hollywood. He's in Car Crash. 
and he was thrown through the windshield and had major like brain and like head injuries. He had 300 stitches to his face, 400 stitches to the back of his head. And if you know anything about, you know, murderers, I'm not saying that everybody does this, but like brain trauma can definitely have something to do with that. So I think that altered his personality even more. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like he was, it sounds like he was pretty into guns before that. Oh, sure. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah there's one, one last famous gun story and then we'll get into the actual, uh, crime, but he, he produced a one-off album for Leonard Cohen in, mm-hmm. in the seventies. And there's, um, famous story of him pulling a gun out and holding it to Leonard Cohen's head. And, and because the, the production wasn't going as well as he'd hoped and he held it yeah. to Leonard's head and he said, don't worry, Leonard, I love you. And, and Leonard said, well, I certainly hope so. Wow. And and this is crazy. Do you know what he said? He pulled the gun away. Do you know what Leonard Cohen said ha- after that? If you say hallelujah, I'm flipping the table. All right. Mm-hmm. OK, so uh, let's move on. <laughs> let's, let's move on. Hey, Suzanne, take me down. Yes, Suzanne, take me down. That's where Chip was going with that. So, uh, And by the way, we, the one thing we should say is, and I don't want to get into this at all because I don't want to waste any more time on this, but uh, we should. Pro- I'd love to maybe get on this on another episode. But the one thing that he was sort of famous for is I don't think he was totally responsible, but he worked with what is known now as the Wrecking Crew. Yes. In, yeah. in the 60s, yep. which, I th- which I think we should that should be its own episode at yeah. some point, which the Wrecking for a great documentary and we'll get yeah they were they were just uh they were session musicians that that included some pretty big names like glenn campbell and uh i want to say leon russell but i might be wrong about that yeah no i believe so yeah yeah so all right so let's fast forward to 2003 uh phil specter's largely out of the public eye at this point and um he he walks into the house of blues in in LA and um there is a very pretty 40 year old uh I don't know if she was like a waitress or a hostess she yeah she was basically they were going into the foundation room which is like the VIP private club that you had to be rich and famous to get into she was basically working the rope there like making sure nobody was going through besides who should be in there and she actually she actually turned him away because she didn't know who he was. He's just this like goofy old guy with right, some with a woman dumb wig. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And she actually even called him Miss at one point because he had this like wig on. And he's like, I'm sorry, Miss, you can't go in there. Like she just she didn't know who he was, thought he was a lady. And he was having a night, by the way. He went out with the, this high school friend of his, this woman that he went to high school with. They went out to dinner. They were drinking. She got kind of skeeved out, I believe wanted to go home. She left. He found another woman, went to Dantana's with this other woman. Then they go to the house of blues. And that's, so he's with this other woman and they get to the house of blues and it's like one 30 in the morning. And finally, like somebody tells, t- uh, tells Lana that it's like, look, this is Phil Spector. He's a famous producer. Let him in. So he, he goes in. Right. Yeah. So, so, so the woman he meets is an actress by the name of Lana Clarkson. Um, Mostly known as a B-movie actress, but a big career like with Roger Corman's films, uh, the famous B-movie producer. But you know, also, what her debut, you know what her debut film appearance or her first ever spoken word? In a yeah. Film yeah. I was talking to Chip about this last night. This made the story much sadder for me. Like I got a little angry all over again. But but tell tell the people, Johnny. Fast times at Ridgemont High. Yeah. She was Mrs. Vargas. 
She she was she was the weird teacher's hot wife that nobody can believe that he had. And by the way, Vincent, whatever his last name is, is it Chiarelli? Vincent, whatever he the late that that guy, the weird teacher. Yeah, is he he was in Better Off Dead and right. all that. Uh, ghost. All, always, always hilarious or amazing. He wasn't hilarious and ghost. He was super sad, but just one of the one of my anytime he would show up anywhere, it was my favorite thing. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So she had all these she was in like 50 TV shows, but never had that huge break again. Like she was in, uh, I think, Barbarian Queen and the sequel to it, which was the Robert Corm, uh, Roger Corman movie. But never really like broke through, but she was gorgeous. She was over, she was like six feet tall or so. Yeah. Uh, she did her own stunts a lot of times, uh, just was by all accounts, really talented, but just never made it to that next level. Right. Um, so Phil Spector, uh, sends his, the girl that he was with home because she had stopped drinking and he told her that she wasn't being fun. And then yes. he focuses all his attention on Lana Clarkson and trying to get her to his castle. He he tells her that he's got a limo outside. He's got. A- and this is not Ken. You, you're not you're not using some sort of, uh, uh, you know, connotation or just like, oh, I'm going to go back to my crib. I'm going to go back to castle. He lives in an actual castle. He lives in a 33 bedroom castle. Yeah. But that just happens to be just like. South Pasadena, basically, like it's just the, it was the weirdest place. Yeah, it wasn't Alhambra, it wasn't like Hollywood or Beverly Hill. It wasn't it was just like it was like a castle sort of in the middle of just a regular neighborhood. This, yeah. And like and if you know anything about like, it's like Alhambra, which is like, you know, east of L.A. and just like south of Pasadena, which is just like it's kind of just the suburbs. No, I mean, not that L.A. is kind of a big suburb, but it just it's this weird place to have this big castle, which yeah. he called what do you call it? The Pyrenees. Uh, the Pyrenees something I forget what it was called, but just has this like huge castle. In yeah, yeah, it'd be like it'd be like walking into a medieval times in the middle of a neighborhood and being like, you know what, I'm gonna this is where I want to live. I'm gonna buy yeah. this and and yeah. we'll live here now. Yeah, the Pyrenees Castle is what I get, what it was called. Yeah. So um, apparently, uh, he 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 pressures her. You even see they've got uh, a camera in the alley outside the house of blues and there's footage you can see him kind of like rapping to her and really pressuring her to get in the limo and then, yeah. and then she ultimately does yeah uh they they go back to uh they go back to his castle and then at I forget, like some ridiculous hour, like three, four or five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So so they get they get there, I think, around like two thirty or three in the morning. They're hanging out. And then it was right before 5 a.m. is when the limo driver hears something. Right. The, the limo driver hears a loud pop. And at first he thinks that it's something in the limo, like maybe his car backfired. And then uh, the back door to the house opens and a very, very drunk Phil Spector stumbles out and says, I think I may have just killed someone Um, to which uh, the, you know, this brought me back, Johnny, this brought me back to, to Spade Cooley for a moment, because if, if, uh, if I remember correctly, they called when Spade Cool. If you ha- if you don't know what we're talking about, Johnny was a guest on a previous uh, murder episode, Spade Cooley. And remember, they called Spade Cooley's manager first and they were like, we think Spade just killed a lady. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think the driver calls the manager first and the manager's yeah. like, you need to like, why? I guess that's why managers get so much because, right. yeah, because yeah, if you kill a lady, they're the, they're the first line of defense. Well, yeah, I've already told my manager that, you know, <laughs> like if I, you know, if I commit some sort of horrific crime, be sure that you you, you get a phone call uh, or you call around and, you know, get this thing figured out. Right. Because if you're taking 20 you percent, know, my career, I can't have my career ruined by doing something horrific. Right. Yeah. You can't you can't have a murder get in the way of, of your your disc team. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Um, but then they tell him to call 911. And so he does. And the 911 call it, Chip, I don't know if you heard it. The 911 call. This dude is mad calm. Like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, he, the, the guy's a badass. His name's Adrian. I believe I'm saying this properly. Hopefully Adriano D'Souza. Yeah. He's a former Brazilian military officer. Like this guy is, is no joke. Just like, and it's like, I think my boss killed somebody like that was just, and he just kind of said, and, and even the nine one one guys like, wait, what, what yeah. are you saying? And he's they like, were yeah, like, I think you're, but he was so polite. He was like, please, can, can you send someone over here? I think my boss. And they were like, your boss killed someone. He was like, yes, I believe so. And, and, and they said, who's your boss? He says, Phil Spector. And they said, who? He said, yeah. Phil Spector. They were like, who? I think it just would have been hilarious if he just broke into you lost that loving feeling. <laughs> <laughs> No tenderness like grief in your fingertips. You're trying hard not to show it, but baby, baby, I know it. You You heard yeah. of the wall of sound. Yeah. Have you heard the wall of sound? Well, I heard a wall of sound. By the way, I, I think that the reason he invented the wall of sound, like the reason there was 20 guitars and 15 drummers and 11 bass players was to cover up the sound of screams from the studio. Like, I think that's what it is. <laughs> like you're not going to hear somebody screaming. Oh, my God, he's got a gun over 15 drummers. No. I, well, that calls to mind like a pretty amazing quote from uh, Bruce Springsteen. Uh, about his music, which was Phil's records felt like chaos, violence covered in sugar and candy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that is yeah. just an incredible line. That is. Uh, and the the I'm glad you brought that up because the whole Born to Run album was mm-hmm. done. Bruce wanted the wall of sound feel to it and mm-hmm. that he, he was going for um he was going for a Phil Spector production sound to that album, which is why I think it was the longest one it ever took him to record. Mm-hmm. But by the way, and I, I got to throw throw this out there, Ken. What, what was the worst job you ever had? Like when you were a kid, or just growing? What, what do you? What it was the worst, shittiest job you ever had? B- uh, bus boy for a restaurant. All right, so you're a bus boy, and like let's just say the manager of this restaurant was just an asshole, just barking orders. You're not making much money. He's just being a dick to you. Could you imagine closing one night? It's like two in the morning. And then you get to make a call to 911 be like, yo, 
think my boss murdered somebody. Yeah. <laughs> like you would be calm, cool and collected too, because you're like, I don't have to take shit from this guy anymore. Yeah. Well, you know, I was thinking that it almost sounded like he was so calm because I feel like he was probably been expecting this for years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, and that's something I'll, I don't want to interrupt the, the the narrative of the night, but that's something I wanted to kind of get into, which is kind of the idea of knowing something bad is coming, but everybody just kind of letting it go because of the word genius. Yeah, 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 and he, you know, he he was still he, he was still an unbelievably wealthy dude. Hmm. And right. yeah, it is when when you see these interviews, like if you go back, watch the Ramones interview on YouTube, they're laughing about Dee, Dee being held hostage at gunpoint. They're right. all it's it's bizarre. Like nobody was like, oh, this guy is a fucking psychopath. And I, I think, Ken, you and I both watched the one you know TV documentary that Dominic Dunn, I think, power, privilege and yeah. uh, I forget what it's called, but power, privilege and justice. Uh, he was saying that like he knew specifically Dominic Dunn knew two separate women who claimed that they were held at gunpoint at Phil Spector's house for an extended period of time, like even days. Yes. And it just it just kept happening. Like it was yeah. just like, well, you know, wall of sound. So it's cool. I, I saw an interview, I, uh, which I forget the lady's name. I saw an interview with her talking about him where where she said he put a gun in his ma- in her mouth and first forced her to have sex with him. And she was like, I would have like I would have had sex with him. Like he didn't yep. have he didn't have to do that. Like if he had just made a single romantic overture, I would have been into it. But he just he wanted he wanted to rape me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, it's just it was just power with him. I mean, he's this little guy, backwards, weird guy. So it's like if I swing a pistol around, people are going to. Yeah, he was like he was five foot three, uh, like six foot with the Afro wig. He was like he was like Manson behind the boards. Like he was like Manson who could actually (laughs) had some musical talent. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I wish that we could have seen this coming if, you know, like the whole like treating women horribly. I mean, if, if, you know, say he had produced a song, I don't know, called He Hit Me and It Felt Like a Kiss or something like that. And that would maybe given us a clue. Yeah. You know, that we could have said, wait a second, this guy's trouble. Yeah. yeah. It, it You're is, right, Johnny. It is crazy um, that that's really funny, but it is crazy <laughs> that so many of his songs were were sensitive love songs. Songs, so many sang by women and and he was just this complete monster behind the scenes by the way i don't know how much of a coincidence this was uh, but uh, just a creepy thing about things to come the movie so they they had i guess a vcr or, or i don't know maybe a dvd player in the back of the limo when they were driving it was like a 40 minute drive from the house of blues to, to the castle. Uh, they watched, uh, at 1950 James Cagney film noir movie called kiss tomorrow. Goodbye on oh. the drive back to the castle, which is just creepy in and yeah, of itself. That is, Oh, that's super fucking creepy. Like the only thing grosser than that would like to go to a prom and have the song, the long and winding road oh, be the thing. Winding <laughs> road. Yeah. Uh, yeah I hated everybody I went to high school with. If you're listening, <laughs> I probably disliked you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, police, police show up. They rush on the scene and. 
and uh, Phil Spector won't let them in. It takes it's like 45 minutes of negotiation. And then I guess he finally agrees to let them in and he's standing in the doorway and 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 you know, even after he's agreed, he's standing in the doorway and won't get out of their way. So Phil Spector ends up getting tasered that they they tase him once. Because he was like he had his hands up, but he kept putting his hands back in his. Pocket. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They said they said wasted. maybe he was. Yeah, he was hammered. And they said it looked like maybe he was reaching for a gun. That's that's what it was. Right. So they, they tase him. But the first taser gets stuck in his sweater and does nothing, which to me is hilarious because there probably was just a quick flash second where he thought like. <laughs> Oh, these fuckers can't hurt me. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm invincible. Like, do you think he did the thing like when you're a kid, like force field, where he just like moved his hands out and goes wall of sound, wall of sound, blocks like, it. So then they 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 tase him a second time, and that one works, and uh, he he ends up. Uh, I think unconscious. I think it would also be hilarious if after he woke up after getting tased, the first thing he did was throw on his giant Afro wig to make it look like the electricity <laughs> fucked yeah, his like, hair like up. He put his hand on the yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Boy, boy, if if only Rodney King had a sweater and was a brilliant white producer. You know what I mean? <laughs> what what he could have avoided. Right. Mm-hmm. I right. mean, just boy, I get they, they, for, for whatever reason, they didn't seem as aggressive with this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Go no, for, they, for, they, for whatever reason. He, the, no, they, he, 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 he claims his nose got broken in the scuffle. They, they tasered him. Did uh, you guys see the, did you guys see the interview with him about that night? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's, and, and it's hilarious at the start because he's like, you know, so we go back to my castle and then he looks at the camera and he goes, I live in a castle. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like, like, I, I want to get to the whole, like, you know, murder thing, but I just, he, just want to get it out there, folks. He's literally Ferris Bueller-ing this, this interview. Yeah. Breaking the fourth <laughs> wall. Yeah. And then he does the whole, like, blame the cops. He's yeah. like, the cops come in here like animals, like drunken animals. I was like, you might be projecting a yeah, little bit yeah, yeah. Uh, of them probably being sober, you being hammered and you having just committed murder. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, they they find there's there's blood all over the mansion. Her her body is slumped over a chair. A gun had been in her mouth and um, her head, you know, like literally blown off. Um. And uh, somehow he I, like, I don't know. I don't know how this works. He he's still able to post bail on a murder charge. They, mm-hmm. they arrest him that night and uh, he posts bail. I think we know how. And I think Chip just uh, mentioned <laughs> yep. it a few minutes ago. Yeah. Rich, rich white guy in L.A. Uh, can pretty much do. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. he uh, I think he was allowed to because uh, well, p- first of all, he also got Ro- Robert Shapiro who was, you know, OJ, one of OJ's lawyers and just totally kind of did that whole media circus thing, turned mm-hmm. it on them and was basically like, yeah, uh, let him go. Million dollars bail and took him to the Bel Air Hotel. So he's just he's just propped up in the Bel Air Hotel instead right. of rotting in a, in a cell. Ricky Schroeder started a GoFundMe for his legal defense. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> uh so then they they start. So I guess his his def, his 
the defensive, uh, uh, the defense attorneys, they start spinning it that Lana was a washed up movie actress, B movie actress who was very depressed with her career uh-huh. and uh, asked, you know, w- was begging to go back to Phil Spector's castle, asks him if he has any guns on the premises. He says he does. She grabs it and puts it in her mouth. He screams no. And then and then she kills himself in front of her. Yeah. This is an actual quote taken from Phil Spector from the police interview that um, I think is horrible, but maybe a little funny, too. Uh, An actual quote from Phil Spector. She has no right to come to my castle, blow her head open and say that I murdered her. Because, of course, she said that after she killed herself. <laughs> right. like she she blew her own brains out and then called 911 and was like, this motherfucker just murdered me. How dare she? Uh, okay, yeah, like like it's like it's just classic narcissist behavior. Like, how dare this person do this thing to me? Like. Yeah. Like oh, 100 percent. Like, it's not like he like he's angry. It's not like he's like shaking like, oh, my God, I can't this, believe this poor girl. Like, if somebody sh- put a gun in her mouth and shot herself in front of you when you're drunk at five in the morning, like you're going to be shaken. Like you're going to you're not going to be able to like you're just you're going you, to any normal person would be speechless if that's actually what happened. Right. Yeah. No, he's calling her an idiot pill head. Yeah, I, I think the toxicology report found two Vicodin in her system. And let's just walk through that decision of hers to, like, kill herself at Phil Spector's house. She met it's like I, I'm 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 an actress who's sort of maybe past my prime or what Hollywood considers my prime. I'm really depressed. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to meet Don Henley and go to his house and kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. What? Yeah. She like she's just been waiting for this moment, you know, to. Fine. She was like, all I need, I swear to God, the next motherfucker that invites me to their castle, I am doing it there. (laughs) Yep. I'm going to finish this one last shift at the House of Blues. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to the first castle I can find and pinning a murder on someone. By the way, apparently that's back in Romania back in the day. That's what they would keep bringing Dracula in. And he's like, another one just bit her own neck, you know, and then that's. (laughs) That's what and and the cops in Romania were just like, sure. okay, I guess so. Like it was Transylvania State Troopers. They don't know what they're doing. You know, great, great analysis. I think. Yeah, that was. Thanks, Johnny. Yeah, (laughs) it's a castle, Johnny. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Oh, right. Um. But also, and, and, so, and by the way, so he went through. We should we should say this like throughout the course of his trial, he went through. He, he what I like to call the wall of defense. He had so many attorneys that just either he fired or just were like, "Fuck this, I'm out of here." Because yeah. he was such he was he was a real pill. Like yeah. he wouldn't shut up at press conferences. Like he would jump in and they'd be like. Please be please stop talking like Shapiro left. Yeah. And then she got they got Leslie Abramson, which was Eric Menendez's yes. uh, attorney. She left. And then they got this guy, Bruce Cutler, who was this tough guy, like New York mafia. He, he, lawyer. Def- he successfully defended John Gotti like five straight times or something. He, he's yeah. the reason that John had the, the nickname Teflon Dunn. Yeah. And this guy quit. This guy, like in the middle of the trial, was like, I just got an offer to do a TV show. So I think I'm going to go do that instead of represent you. Yeah. 
Although one of the funniest things about the the trial was that the the prosecution allowed they were they wanted to get his confession, like kind of like when he said, I think I killed someone to be admissible, which they they went through the process. And the judge was like, yes, that is admissible. You can use that. Oh, yeah. I want to I want to talk about that. I did a lot of research. No, no, no. Just finish. I'll I'll jump in. But but go ahead. So so it's it's kind of amazing. The prosecutor is going to like when he does his opening statement is going to be like he admitted this. Like he said, I think I killed someone. That's what the limo driver is going to tell you. And then it's this whole thing. And that was what the opening statement was. So then uh, Cutler, the defense attorney, his entire opening statement was basically a rebuttal to that. And just to be a dick, the the prosecution didn't bring up the admission at all. So then the the prosecution's their entire opening statement was screwed and they they were just totally taken. Literally, Cutler was what said in front of the judge. I, it's like I, I it's like I was caught with my pants down right. and then called for a recess and they had to recess and he had they came back the next day so he could do his opening statement the next yeah. day. Yeah. So they had a pretrial motion. The prosecutor asked for a pretrial motion to allow Phil Spector's drunken confession uh, to be uh, on the record. And the judge grants it. So I was looking into this last night and the reason they may have done this, A, was to throw the defense off their game and make them look dumb. But also, um, there was a lot of statements that Phil Spector made that gave weight to the defensive to the defensive strategy. There was a lot of statements he made that supported his claims. Yeah. And apparently you're, you're, you can't pick and choose what statements you want to admit. So if... Uh, if they if they bring up if the prosecutor brings up in the opening statement that Phil Spector admitted to this, he has to enter all of it into mm-hmm. into evidence for the jurors to hear. He has to enter all his statements. They have to get the full transcript. So they didn't want to do anything that would make Phil Spector look good. Now, if the defense wants to bring up those points that made their client look good. The only way they can do it now is by putting Phil Spector himself on the stand, which right. they were never going to do in a million years. So yeah. he he absolutely did blow them up. I'm just surprised. I, I would assume that like, look, we're we're comics and like we'll look out at a crowd. You have a plan A, plan B, plan C. Like this guy it didn't even occur to him like, oh, I should have a plan B in case they don't bring this up. Right. Right. Um. You know what else I found while doing research for this that that I thought that I never knew that I thought was really interesting. So one of the points they kept making was that um, her fingerprints. You know, well, if it was suicide, why weren't her fingerprints on the gun? It's so mm-hmm. he must have wiped the gun clean, right? Yeah. So I'm looking into this last night. Apparently, it's almost impossible to leave fingerprints on a gun. Really? Did you know, like all the movies that we've ever watched where they're like, oh, his prints were all over the gun. It's all bullshit. Wow. There's there's almost never any case where you'll find fingerprints on a gun. We've we've been fed a pack of lies by Hollywood. I'm going to have to let my manager know. (laughs) Yeah. If you can make that call, John. Yeah, I'm going to. I'm glad you said something. Mm hmm. Um, so 
the the first the first trial ends up uh, five years. So the first, so so the the murders committed in two thousand three, and it's it's not until two thousand eight that the trial even takes place, mm-hmm. uh, and they end up deadlocked. That they end up deadlocked ten to two. I think at first it was seven to five, and then ten to two in favor of guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, th- they have to have a retrial. Typically, what happens in those cases is the state gets to see all of the defense's tricks, and then they use them. You know, they they know what to avoid the next time. So the second trial. Uh, is fairly open and shut. You know, there's overwhelming physical evidence. He's convicted of murder, sentenced 19 years to life. Uh, but, you know, as, as we set up front, dies in prison of COVID in uh, January of 2021. Yeah. Uh, and apparently in 2014, so from 2013, so this is 2009. So he's in jail for four years or prison for four years. Then he basically gets... His health wasn't good, so they switched him in 2013 to the California Healthcare Facility in Stockton, which is like a, you know, a prison hospital type thing. And in 2014, apparently, he lost his ability to speak. He couldn't even talk because of some. It's like I forget what the exact condition is, but it's basically like tumors on his larynx, so he couldn't even speak for the last couple years of his life. And then, yeah, and then in uh, 2020, end of 2020, he contracted COVID and died at 81 years old uh, in uh, January of this past year. Well, I want to, I want to, if we can, I want to, cause I do, I do think this part is interesting. And, and, you know, again, Brian Wilson was a big fan of his and Wilson was, is also widely considered a genius. There's a, there's a line in an LA times article about him that says half a century later, we're arguably watching the same thing happen to Kanye West. And uh, apparently his dark twisted fantasy album was inspired by Spectre. That was the whole point of that album was sort of that wall of sound wow. uh, thing. So, you know, it's I, I guess kind of the, the thing I wanted to hear from you guys about is is thinking about that line between genius and insanity and how we see it sort of crossed over time and time again, especially with performers. And the other thing is, how do you. How do you dis? How do you? Uh, how do you guys personally separate an art from an artist? Right. So, like, if Phil Spector, like, let's you know, these songs are incredible, and we all agree that we love these songs, right? But is there a way, especially in the current era, of separating what he created from him being such an absolute piece of shit? Yeah, I think, well, for someone like Phil Spector, I think it's a little easier to separate the art from the artist because the artist was behind the scenes. You know, it's not like you're listening to him sing these songs. It's like you're listening to Ronnie Spector sing them or. Right. It's not it's not like it's not like listening to Bill Cosby's like dentist routine. Marilyn Manson. That's Bill Cosby right there. Literally Bill Cosby himself. It's funny because Chuck D actually made a point about Cosby essentially getting canceled, but Spectre still being out there, which, which, you know, was kind of interesting, but I think I side with you guys where again, if the person's up front and they're the, they're the star of the show, so to say it's, it's easier to sort of cancel them than when the guys behind the scenes, you can say, well, that's a George Harrison song. That's not a Phil Spectre song. Right. Right. 
And, and I will say too, I think for, I probably for guys like us, like, uh, I, I'm not a uh, a woman in Hollywood who's been uh, assaulted by a man or anything like that, you know. So I don't have not that. Yet. Uh, I, you know, I I, I have that. Well, I guess we have to change your wiki page. Okay, if you could go back and do that. <laughs> uh, but like, I was not, you know, I I had a good upbringing. I was very lucky. Uh, I wasn't abused by anybody or anything like that. So therefore, like, when I I can be like a good person and be like, well, you know, I'm not going to listen to these people. I'm not going to, you know purchase the the you know the songs by these artists or, or celebrate these movies or anything but like whenever thriller comes on i'm not turning it off you know like it's it's right. it's a great so it's like i think i have the luxury of being like well i can listen to it like i'm not going to support it i'm not going to buy you know an artist that you know if, if they're still out there for some reason like i'm not going to necessarily uh do that but it, you know i think i'm I, i'm able to to separate that and i feel lucky to be able to to, to do that yeah, and I also think that I also think that when, you know, people that are like um, when people are, you know, like Spectre and this is America. So you have to put your brand out there. You know, you can't really just stay behind the scenes for the most part. You have to kind of keep your brand alive, you know, and I saw some old interviews with him and you guys probably did, too, from like the 60s. And like it is just cringeworthy how awkward uh, how awkward the interviews are. Like he did one with Phil Foster, who I was on like uh, Laverne and Shirley. And like, they just snapped at each other. Just like, it was kind of entertaining, but it was like a really uncomfortable back and forth that was like, man, this guy is completely off the wall. Like you could reckon, you know, and part of it's like how much of that's hindsight now that I know that he's a demented, crazed guy. Sure. But like if you watch like these old interviews, like, yeah, there's something off with that guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you want, if you watch one of his last interviews, you can you can watch his last interview on YouTube. And he is saying now, listen, I I absolutely believe everybody that came forward and said they had this gun experience with him. But he's saying, I think this goes back to your point earlier, Johnny, he's saying, if I've stuck these guns in all of these women's mouths, tell me why there's not one police report. Tell me why not one person has called the cops. And it goes back to money, power, you know, I guess that that, that feel, I think that also answers your question, like, what's the difference between genius and insanity? It's like how much money you got. If, if if you're if you're worth hundreds of millions, you're a genius. But right. if, if you're pulling the same shit on the streets, you're insane. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's totally. Yeah, I think that's totally legit. But I just, you know, like, you know, because uh, again, getting back to that line, it's like, man, I really like a lot of Kanye West music. But like him coming out in support of Trump really pissed me off. And it's like, OK, it's it's getting harder and harder, it seems, especially in an era where everybody's kind of politics is a very defining thing for people. It's you know, it's like, where do you draw that line in terms of, OK, I got to let that go. I got to just enjoy what this person's putting out there. And at what point do you say uh, you know what? This is a little too creepy and I feel like I'm supporting it. Yeah. That's why I don't go uh, to any of your quizzes anymore, Johnny. Mm, right. No, understandable. <laughs> no, I, I, I get that. I get yeah. that. Yeah. Fair. Tough, but fair. As yep. always. Say. There's yeah, he's he's got his hands in too much amazing music to, you know, like it's easy. It's easy to 
it's easy to self cancel somebody when you don't like them. You know, like, yes. like, like when R. Yeah. Kelly, yeah. I was, well, I'm never, I never listened to R. Kelly to begin with, but now I'm like, I'm definitely the not. Same thing. Like, yeah. yep, real easy. Yep. No, I'm just uh, not going to listen to it. Michael Jackson, I actually draw a line. I'm like, I feel like anything off the wall and before is okay. I feel like I feel like he got he got weird somewhere in between off the wall and thriller thrillers yeah. where I get a little like, all right, you were up to some weird shit. And yeah, yeah. But I also didn't like that out, you know, after off the wall, I, I he kind of fell off for me. So, yeah. But yeah, I'll that's, admit, why, that's like, why I only listen to I only listen to Toby Keith's early works. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. why I don't you know what I'm the same way with Hadaway. Is that right? You know, yeah. after uh, what is love, baby, don't hurt me. I just was done with them. Okay. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. I, understand. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to listen to some of these B-sides. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to buy the live album. No. I'm done. Yeah. Don't hurt me. No more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Can you uh, guys have me back for the Hadaway episode? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a double. We didn't tell yeah. you we're actually we actually booked extra time. Yeah. So we're doing it's Phil Spector Hadaway. Yeah. Hadaway uh, is also uh for janitor month in October. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I like that. I like where we're going with that. I, b- by the way, I need to know, was I, I I'm I don't know this. Was Hadaway like accused of something or I, I don't I don't know. Or you just decided Um I don't I'm not trying not, to pick apart no, your joke, not, but yeah. now I'm just curious. I know I didn't know if he was a creep or not. No. Yeah. Um, no, I haven't really heard much from him, but I think you're, I think you're in the right by preemptively canceling him just in case. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you got to do sometimes. That way you're ahead of the curve and you can show everybody that 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 is, that is funny. Like we should start Like You should be able to size someone up and be like, they probably did some fucked up shit at some point and just cancel them now. Right. Like, like one time I was at, uh, I was doing a show at Governor's in Long Island and it was a late night Saturday drunk Long Island crowd. And when I tell you, literally they bounced half the room. Like I was standing, I was standing outside the club while, while the headliner was on and people were filing out that had gotten thrown out. So it became a joke with me and the host. We were like, Oh, what'd you do? What'd you do? And then they were all like, we, we were just laughing. Can you believe they throw us out? And we're like, no, I don't believe no. they just threw yeah. you out for just laughing. But finally, the last couple came out. We were like, what'd you do? And they were like, we actually didn't do anything. We just left because we figured we were next. <laughs> I was like, they see yeah, they they sort of self canceled themselves, and yeah, I think no, they I had the that. they had the foresight to know that they they probably were next. And, and good they, for them, yeah, good for them. Yeah, I think yeah. about that all the time. <laughs> I appreciate that honesty. All right, well, I, um, oh, go ahead. No, I was, I think I was just going to say the same thing. You were go ahead. Um, well, Johnny, thank you so much for for kicking off uh, True Crime Month. Well, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, anytime you guys want somebody to talk about a terrible, terrible human being who also did some music, uh, I seem to be the go to guy. <laughs> there so, does, there um, does seem to be a reoccurring theme, with Johnny, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, appreciate that. Yeah. Johnny, you're uh, just so you know, I shouldn't um, Chip will yell at me. He'll put a gun in my mouth after this yeah. for telling you this. I'll brandish it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll brandish the shit out of it. You you were a fan favorite. I want you to know every, every time we put up one of your episodes, I get a lot of good feedback. 
So, so right. thank you. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, I get a lot of negative feedback, but he gets more positive than I get negative. So it Mm. it it all comes out in the wash, is what I'm saying. Of course, (laughs) you have anything to promote, Johnny? Uh, Yeah, I mean, just you know, uh, hire me if anybody's out there. You have a job, you have a business. I'll I'll do anything. Yep. Right. Yep. So anyone's looking Uh, for a CEO. (laughs) Yep. Right. Vice, vice president. I, I think it really with my skill set, I feel like vice president of any sort of company. Sure. No matter how big or small or a country, I, I, maybe. Yeah. Right. I, I think I'm just really, that's, that's the kind of stuff I've made. I'm made of. Like I'm not quite ready to really give like some hard orders and be a leader of men, but I do think I'm ready to kind of stand in the shadows and uh, provide go. a little bit of backup if needed. Yeah. Like go all to right. all the ribbon cutting ceremonies. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yep. So if there's all right, any- well, la- ladies and gentlemen, this has been uh, uh, this is this has been I love rock and roll with your uh, with your host uh, Chip and Ken and uh, with our with our special guest this week Johnny Goodtimes, who is known for standing in the shadows. Oh wait, you oh that was good. You know what? I just wanted to say one thing. He's oh. just he's just like he's just. I think that's what he should be known for: standing in the shadows. Well, I prefer the word lurking. Okay. But- yeah. No, I think that's the yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I just wanted to say this. I forgot to say this during the episode, just because um, I, I'd been I'd been watching interviews with Lana Clarkson, and by all accounts, she was like a really beautiful person. She was philanthropic. She 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 donated a lot of her time for uh, various homeless homelessness charities in L.A. Apparently, she was she was very funny. She was an aspiring comedian and sketch comedy writer. And um, I just want to say Phil Spector's a fucking dick. It sounds like he he took out a really nice lady. And absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's like it's easy. It's easy to goof on something, you know, like Phil Spector killing somebody. Right. But then when you when you find out who the lady actually was, especially after finding out she was Mrs. Vargas, I was like that motherfucker. Yes. Well, and to like to be her, for her to be painted as this as this like sad sack. And of course, that's what the, that's process, what the, the that's defense the tried to do and spun it. And that she she was this washed up actress who was never. It's like she she was over in the over 50 TV shows. She starred in some B movies. She had, you know, minor roles and other things. She was a pretty successful person. Like she just didn't get that a level but success it, yeah, and wasn't a household name. Didn't sound like she was bitter about it from no. from all accounts. She sounded like she was very satisfied with her career. Yeah. So that's it. Just want to say fuck you, Phil. Exactly. All right. Uh, well, uh, well. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Johnny. Good times for joining us this week for our kickoff of uh, True Crime Month. True Crime Month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's August. Ken, uh, anything to uh, anything to promote? Um, yeah, but I don't know how to pronounce the name of the town. It's in Pennsylvania. Maybe you guys can help me. Yeah, it's, give it a shot. Let me see what you get. Tony. Emmaus. 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 I'll, <laughs> I'll be at the Emmaus Theater uh, Saturday, August 28th. Two shows with the amazing Jessica Curson. And then uh, coming up in September, which is uh, it's just assault month where it's not murder month. September's we're just going to cover stories about people getting slapped around. Right. But, um, September 23rd through the 24th. Fifth, I will be opening uh, five shows for Orny Adams at Stress Factory in New Brunswick. Nice, nice. Chip, you got anything? Uh, yeah, I'll be at the Punchline in Philly, uh, August 11th through the 14th. 
Uh, I'm going to be in the, the night you're up there. You're going to have to decide between Ken and I. Uh, I will be in uh, in South Jersey. I, I should know this better. And I don't know the name of the town. I shouldn't even say this. Uh, I'll be in South Jersey. If, so if you're not up in Emmaus, if you're down in South Jersey, uh, just l- look me up on Twitter at Wait, Chief maybe, for that. Maybe I could help you with this. It's so funny that I'm going to Pennsylvania. You're coming to Jersey. I, do, I don't even have the name of the wait, I see, see if you can actually help me because it is a weird name. I got to pull it up real quick. I think it's, uh, I think it's the E Mouse Comedy Club. <laughs> is that what it is? The, yeah, over in the, South Jersey. Yeah, um, there's. Yeah, the e, I think I think it is the E Mouse. Wait, I'm uh, I should be pulling it up, and this is the payoff isn't going to be nearly as good now that I have it. Uh, it's going to be for uh, for Soul Joel. It's not at his club. It's going to be in uh, maybe I'll get. The, is it Shamong, New Jersey? No, it's Schlong, you idiot. Oh, I apologize. Schlong, New Jersey. No, okay. I, I think he's he's just messing with me then. <laughs> I think he's calling you a dick. No, I've I've never even heard of that town. You you yeah, you could it's, be it's right. It's gonna be an outdoor show like at a in a farm or something like that. And then uh I will be at uh in September on September Thursday, September sixteenth, I'm doing a benefit show at Soul Joel's uh outside dome. On uh, Thursday, uh, September sixteenth, uh, and uh, that should be a really fun show. So, so that's that. Follow me at, at Chip Chantry. Yes, and follow at Rock and Roll Pod. Right, and on, and uh, and is spelled out Rock and Roll Pod. And yes, I'm still on- if if you're the dude listening to us in Brussels who listens to every episode as soon as they come out, I'm so curious about you. Yeah, just tweet us and tell us what story you want to hear, and we will cover it just for you. We will do we will do a request for you. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Talk to you soon.